So, I mean, the, the most important thing is giving yourself the opportunity, right? So many people don't even have the opportunity to get around these people because they're not developing any proximity. Like you Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Process. I have a very special guest today. He is a serial entrepreneur and international speaker. He is the founder of several multi-million dollar companies like Monopolize and Hive. And after dropping out of college, he pursued his entrepreneurial dream and started working at the age of 17 as a sales representative for Cutco Cutlery. In 2013, he co-founded Hive, a social networking website, which raised several million dollars from Silicon Valley angel investors, attracted the attention of celebrities and influencers and had hundreds of thousands of users at, at its peak. After working for over five years with Hive, Knutson left and started a marketing agency, Monopolize. Monopolize has worked with several Fortune 500 companies and has become one of the leading marketing agencies across the United States. He's also built his personal brand and has become a highly acclaimed entrepreneur that specializes in brand consulting, social media marketing, executive, executive coaching, lead generation, and content creation. Please help me welcome Brett Knutson to the show. How's it going, man? Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So after seeing, uh, you know, the, the interview that you did with my friend Jason um, and just knowing like what you, all the accomplishments that you have, you know, and then I saw your, your uh, Instagram post with the house that you lived in when you first, when you started your first business. I think Jason said something like 23 people or something that I would just love to hear a little bit more about that story. And I'm sure my followers would, would as well. Yeah. So um, when I first started Hive, I was trying to raise money for it because it was a uh, you know, it wasn't something that I could bootstrap. It was a software company. I had no coding experience. And so I knew that I needed to hire a team and everything. And so, um, I moved out Silicon Valley to try and raise money. And, uh, the zip code I lived in was the most expensive zip code in the country. <laughs> and so I, uh, slept on the floor cause I couldn't afford a mattress of this illegally modified 1200 square foot house that, uh, had been, kind of jerry-rigged to fit as many people as possible. The garage was turned into two like apartments and the living room was turned into a bedroom. Like every part of the house was turned into a bedroom. We all shared one fridge. It sucked. And there was like, all, like 20 people living in this house. There was a family of seven just living in one bedroom. It was a husband, wife, and five kids living in a bedroom. Wow. Uh, and so that was, that was my Silicon Valley experience. And uh, slept on the floor for well over a year until I finally raised my first uh, round of funding for Hive. That, that's an awesome story. That's incredible because a lot of a lot of people, especially just getting started, you know, they always think that they're in a position where they don't have the resources, you know, to get to where they want to be. They always have that destination in mind, and they just like, I just need, you know, this, this, and this to get there. But your story, you know, um, just proves that you can start pretty much anywhere and build as big of a company, you know, as you like. So that's all. That's awesome. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I came from a really small town, uh, 600 people. And uh, dad was a cop, mom was a teacher and um, somehow, you know, figured figured it out because I definitely didn't have any, uh, any entrepreneurs or anybody around me as a kid. But uh, I think that in life, you know, if you're if you're supposed to be an entrepreneur, you, you know, all you know is what you don't want, right? It's like, well, I don't yeah. want, I don't want to go to college like everyone's telling me to do. And I don't want to have this normal job like everyone's telling me to do. And you, you just kind of make, you know, you figure it out. No, for sure. And that's one of the reasons that I started the show. And it's one of the reasons why like, I call it the process. You know, people are so like destination mind minded when they start something, they want to get to X, Y, Z type of, you know, business. 
Um, but you talk a lot about like the journey and um, what they need to focus on there. And that's what's going to make them happy. And uh, what are some like processes or things that they, they can kind of slow down, be in the moment and just know that if they're putting these things in place, um, it's going to help them get, you know, move their business forward and get to that next step. Because I know you're a big networking guy as well. That's one area that I struggle with just because being an introvert and, and, and whatnot. Um, so I'd love to hear like what kind of processes you have um, on a daily basis that could help you know, everybody move their business forward. Yeah, I would say that like as an entrepreneur, you know, you're you're self-employed. And, and what that means literally is that it is up to yourself to employ yourself. Like you, you have to make sure that you're putting in the work. And when you have control over your schedule, you know, it's very easy to say, you know, well, I'm going to work from nine to five today. And then your buddy hits you up for lunch. And then, you know, the rest of the day is, is wasted, right? So uh, making sure that you are protecting your time. That's a really important one. And you need to value and protect your time long before the marketplace values your time. And so for me, you know, I immediately started distancing myself from a lot of my high school friends. And, and I started being very careful with how I spent my time. And I was very intentional about how I spent my time. Um, the next thing is, uh, is doing the right thing and, and cultivating a network the right way when it comes to building relationships. And so adding value uh, to people first, making sure you're surrounding yourself with high quality people so they're not taking advantage of you. And then adding value repeatedly, not expecting anything in return, um, playing the long game, right? Not playing the, the short term, you know, what's in it for me type of uh, mentality. What are some, what are some examples that they can like go to somebody like, like you or some other influencer marketing or whatever. And what's some examples that would be a value to them? Cause people always ask, yeah, no, I need to go with value, but I don't have anything to offer them. Like, what can I do? Yeah. So like an example of what not to do. And it's very like people who do this, their heart's in the right place but it's just, it doesn't work. Uh, an example of what not to do would, would be, um, you know, Hey, let me know how I can help you or, Hey, I'd love to work for you for free or let me know <laughs> about how I can be of value. The problem with those statements is they're too vague and it puts all the work on me in order to determine what you're good at when I don't even know who you are. Right. And so instead, if you want to, you know, build relationships with high profile people, you need to be actively paying attention to them and try and figure out what their needs are. I had a friend or not, I, I guess, you know, whatever friend, so it was someone who was at an event that I was speaking at and he came up to me and he said, Hey, uh, there's this guy that I want to connect with. He's got millions of followers and he's not responding to me, but I know that he needs a website and I'm trying to tell him, you know, I'm trying to offer to build a website for free for him. And I said, build him the site, you know, because he's talking about how he wants to get a hold of him to tell him he wants to build him a site. I'm like, build him the site, like, like lead with action, right? So he builds him the site and then sends him the site finished. And the guy responds and they get lunch and now they're, you know, there you go. And so, so many times people are just like, it doesn't take a lot of work to say, hey, let me know how I can add value to you. It does take a lot of work to pay attention enough to the person to figure out where they might, you know, need value added and then take the action to add that value for them, right? So, you know, in, in the instance of uh, some really high profile person, you know, it might be finding a client for their business, right? That'll get their attention. You know, it might be facilitating an introduction where the, the introduction you're making, that person you're introducing them to is more valuable, you know, or more, uh, more uh, experienced in the marketplace they're in than they are, you know? So it's, it's just, 
it's about paying attention and, and leading with action instead of just with words. Awesome, for sure. And how would you recommend, like, you know, as far as the networking goes, like the initial contact, like, like with this whole interview process, I, I, you know, ended up hiring a company, didn't really do too much research on them, but they had a good track record of the people they worked with. But then some of the people and, you know, friends whatnot said they were getting like 50 messages and that. I'm like, oh man, I gotta like tell them to calm down a little bit. So what, what are some uh, ways that you like break the ice and introduce yourself, you know, is that just leading with whatever that action is? Or what if there just isn't really a way for you right now to take any action, but you still want to just kind of introduce yourself and start, you know, start a relationship off? So, I mean, the, the most important thing is giving yourself the opportunity, right? So many people don't even have the opportunity to get around these people because they're not developing any proximity. Like you need to invest into proximity. So an example would be if there's a country club in the you know nearest major city to you and you know that there's very successful people that are in that country club then you should probably invest into the cheapest membership possible right the social membership and you should be there every single day that you can possibly be there until you run into the people that you want to run into same goes with i can't tell you how many times i've been dirt poor and i have put money on a credit card in order to buy a plane ticket to go to something right? Yes, I'll buy a, I, I, dude, I used to buy a plane ticket. I, wh what I used to do is I would even like, I would reach out to someone and I would use a sense of urgency. And I would say something like, Hey, I'm going to be in town uh, or Hey, I'm in town today and tomorrow. And even though I wasn't in town yet, you know, I'd say, can, can I, you know, stop by your office or, you know, I have something I, someone I want to introduce you to, can I tell you about it? Whatever. And then I would wait till they said yes. And then I booked the ticket and go, nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. I, I would constantly invest into proximity. I would go to events. I would go to parties. I would, um, you know, pay for people's food when I couldn't afford to pay for their food just to give myself some level of positioning, you know? So um, investing into your own ability to have opportunities is the most important thing. And, you know, if it's, if it's someone in high school or in another country, a podcast is also a great way to, to get out, to get yourself out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. And um, so I've, I've built a software company. I'm not a programmer either. And um, so this is really just a personal question. <laughs> um, what, at what point did you um, start asking for money and do you, and what type of business would you think is appropriate or you should, or what kind of, you know, depending on what kind of business you want to build, depending on what kind of scale the actual business has like where's that line between where it's a lifestyle business versus something that's you know investable you know or being able to raise money for so if i could do one thing for the entrepreneurial world it would be to take all the sexiness out of fundraising like it is like unless you have to raise money you shouldn't um it's because all you're doing is you're bringing on a boss right? Yeah. And you're, you're giving away your say, you're giving away um, a lot of your freedom. So I, I would advise against raising money unless it's necessary. Now, here's some instances where it's necessary um, to gain market share in a super competitive, fast-paced market where other people are um, outpacing you to get it off the ground because it's something that's uh, very cost intensive to even get going and to uh, give yourself a hard valuation to sell. But um, unless you have like the systems and processes in place to where you're fully removed from the business, 
um, you're not going to really be able to sell. And so in that case, I would consider it a lifestyle business and raising money would just cause a headache because it's just another person you have to report to. Yeah, for sure. And like, what kind of businesses would attract like, you know, investors and like, at, um, like what are the, some of the key things they're looking for in order for them to want to invest money in? Yeah, I mean, so uh, the vast majority of people are raising money from friends and family, less than 1% of people raise money from institutionalized investors like angel investors and VCs. And that's because angel investors and VCs by and large are looking for companies that have a hundred million dollar exit potential or greater. And so, you know, if you have a small to medium sized business, even if it's super profitable, uh, it's very unlikely that an angel or a VC is going to be interested in investing. And so, um, you know, where I've on the, in the companies where I've raised money, the only time I've ever raised it from a bona fide angel investor or VC was with Hive, where it had exit potential of billions of dollars, right? And so with my other companies that I've raised money for, product companies, service companies, um, it's always been, you know, $250,000 or less. And it's always essentially kind of been from friends and family, um, more so friends than family. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not easy to raise money from VCs and angel investors. It's not like what Shark Tank makes it look like, that's for sure. Right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, I would say probably... In fact, I probably agree. More than 90, 95% of the time, you're probably better off just, like you said, going the friends and family route or bootstrapping and, and keeping it more. I mean, under 100 million is still a pretty good lifestyle business. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah 100%. I, I'm not saying that, you know, it's not worth starting a, a business that's not going to be able to exit for $100 million or more. <laughs> but if you're looking to raise money, um, investors are looking for that. They're looking for yeah. an exit of, of usually a billion dollars or more. Um, but a lot of angel investors in, in you know, early stage rounds are, are looking for at least a hundred million dollar exit. Otherwise it just doesn't make sense because you got to keep in mind, like for these guys, and now I'm an angel investor too. So it's something that I'm, that I'm acutely aware of is for every 10 deals you put money into nine are going to fail. Yeah. Nine out of 10. So the 10th that works has to pay all the other nine back and make money, or it's not worth your money or time. So we're talking like, you know, that, that's an astronomical return. No, for sure. So, Is there any types of businesses that are easier, you know, to get money for, whether it's like SaaS or um, e-commerce supplements? Like, is there any, like, what's, or it doesn't really matter. It's about the same, just depending on what the potential is and the processes and systems that you have set up and the team that you have or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, uh Software generally carries higher multiples, so um, but it's also usually, usually not always a longer road to revenue. Um, but ultimately, it just depends on the particular investor's appetite for risk and what type of uh, companies they're used to investing in. And that's the other thing people don't realize is if it's just because someone's an investor doesn't mean that they're going to invest in your deal, even if your deal is an investable deal. Because every investor has their own separate, different appetite for risk and their own separate, different industry that they prefer to invest in. So if you're pitching a B2B SaaS investor uh, who's late stage and you're an early stage B2C, you know, 
uh, food company. Like they're, they're not going to invest in you no matter how good it is because they just don't know that industry and then they're not comfortable with that level of risk. So that's awesome. where most people go wrong. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I've, I've uh, gone down that route. So I uh, know from experience for that, but um, well, awesome, man, your, your story is super inspiring. I mean, anybody, no matter where they're starting from, can now you know have the motivation to build as big of a business that, as they want to so appreciate again your time being on the show if there's anything you want to leave my followers with you know the floor is yours and if you can let them know where they can find you that would that'd be awesome too yeah um so my instagram is probably the best place to to keep in touch it's just my last name knutson k-n-u-t-s-o-n and i have a book coming out next year so you can uh, follow for updates on that as well awesome thanks again man i appreciate it yeah thanks so much for having me Take care.